week 10. Welcome back to Bench Dash, another episode, two in one week, making huge strides. I am Derek. And I am your other co-host, Leo, aka DJ Leo Cali, Leo Khaleesi, mother of fantasy dragons. I couldn't think of, yeah, I was trying to think of a... The, the more important co-host, Leo Kaliski. Sure, 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 sure. There we go. Sure, um, sure, sure. You're carrying the podcast, basically. You're like Devonta Freeman. Putting the team on my back, I'll uh, Devonta Freeman, maybe. <laughs> Put the team on his back, though. <laughs> oh, Dan Shapo. Oh, yeah. Anyone that's seen that video from like eight years ago now? Yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> We're dating ourselves. All right. So, yes, week 10. About, what, 40 minutes before Week 10 officially starts with the Thursday night matchup, the inspiring Thursday night matchup. Very soon. The Bills and Jets should be an offensive explosion. Yeah. So we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, and I think it's time that we finally do it. Mm -hmm. Do it to it. Uh, mid-season, well, we're a little bit past that point, but a Week 10 redraft special. Indeed. Redrafting as if you had to for the rest of this season. So this isn't like early ranks for next season. This is like if for some reason you are drafting a league at Week 10 <laughs> in a season. <laughs> this is this is how you yeah. would do the first round. So, exactly. Yeah. I guess it's more of a commentary towards how much things have changed since the original draft. Yeah. Rather than, oh, okay. I guess if you're starting a league right now in week 10, then that you can use this as a potential ranking system. Yeah. But more likely just to comment on it's been a terrible year for running backs. There have been injuries left and right. Mm. And this is how the top couple of rounds would shape out if you had to draft today. Mm-hmm. So, how should we decide who gets the first pick? Um, you know, what better way than by uh, the coin flip? Sure. <laughs> um, I don't a coin flip over over Skype over coin podcast. flip over Skype. This is perfect. I got a coin right here. Um, All right, I'm gonna flip it. You're gonna call it in the air. You're not gonna know when it's in the air. So, um, I'm gonna flip I'm it. Gonna, it's oh. in the air now. Tails. <laughs> I hadn't flipped it yet. Uh, okay. Try, okay, here we go. I'm gonna, and it's flipped. You didn't, you didn't call it. it. Oh, tails still. Oh, and it's tails. All right. Tail, oh, there it is. So there it is. Nailed it. Works every time. <laughs> I'm I'm winning coin tails flips at a New fails. England rate. Oh my goodness. Did, did you see that article that they were winning coin flips at like an impossible, a nearly impossible rate? <laughs> was the title of the uh, article? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just part of their whole cheating agenda. I guess so. I Deflated mean, they're winning coins. like eighty-eight percent of the coin flips. <laughs> it's ridiculous. What are yeah. they doing? I mean, they they deflate the coins a little bit, or they overinflate them. It's rigged coins, clearly. It's definitely rigged coins. They, yeah. They're both heads, yeah. both sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah, just no one notices. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I've won the coin flip, mm. and I get to choose first overall selection of the week ten redraft. Right. Ah, uh, now the pressure's on. Mm. Okay, let's see here. It's a good thing I'm definitely prepared for this. <laughs> okay, so my selection is probably somewhat obvious. Right. He is a running back mm-hmm. who was injured at the beginning of the year, 
and became a starter in week four. His name is one Todd Gurley. Oh, my goodness. God turdly. God turdly. Yeah. So Todd Gurley is currently not the RB1. So some people might be like, why would you draft Todd Gurley first overall? <laughs> and that is because he has only started in five games. So he's been a starter for the St. Louis Rams for five games. He has put up about 100 fantasy points so far in the season, which gives you an average of 20 points. So Todd Gurley has basically been one of the, if not the top running back. Now that's debatable with probably who will be coming off the board in the next couple picks, but he has been one of the top running backs since he became a starter. St. Louis, Jeff Fisher, they just like to feed him the ball. He's actually had 30 carries, uh, in one game and he's basically been fed 20 times in all of his other starts and he's putting up monster numbers he seems to be the only offensive weapon in st louis so he receives extremely high volume he's shown why he was the first running back taken off the board there was a debate okay who who's going to come off first melvin gordon or todd Gurley? todd Gurley was dealing with the acl injury that ended his last season in college so Todd Gurley is my pick. He's shown the explosiveness. He's shown the power. He's basically a three-down back. He does everything, and he will continue to be a top running back the rest of the season. And if you have him in Keeper League, it's even better because he was probably drafted somewhere, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, depending. So Todd Gurley is my number one selection. Yeah, I think that's like the, that's the, the super Avi choice. That's who I would have taken yeah. there, too. Totally Avi. Totally Avi. Crazy high floor. High ceiling as anyone else. Um, as safe as it seems to be at this point. Um, yeah, so Todd Gurley goes off the board. Probably the if you're going to do it in like tiers, he's probably in a tier by himself right now. Um, yeah. But the, the next person that I would take with the second overall pick in the bench dash fancy football 2015 midseason mock draft would there it be is. um adrian all day peterson with the second what? pick yep yep what um he is not the rb2 on the season that actually goes to uh marky mark ingram but uh i'm going with with peterson here because he seems to have a, a really high floor so far this season with the exception of the debacle in week one uh he's had double digit fantasy points in every other game he's had two games where he hasn't hit double digit fantasy points uh he's only gotten in the end zone four times which is in three games so his touchdown totals are lower than normal which i expect he'll start getting in the end zone more as the season progresses um yes. so almost all his production has been yardage and he's getting a big workload uh 19 or more touches in all but two games um, and he's, his ceiling is, you know, we've seen it. He still has the same power and speed and all that stuff. Uh, it's really just that his offensive line isn't quite as good as it's been in years past. And he is a little more dependent on his line now. You know, he's not, he's not, the, he's not Todd Gurley where he's just going to break a big run no matter what, but yeah. he is still elite. 
and I think I like consistent. Uh, he's very yeah. consistent. Yeah, I tend to with the first round pick favor high floor more than like a theoretical high ceiling, uh, just to mm-hmm. sort of protect yourself against the busts. And I think after Gurley, he has the next highest floor. Of you know, he might not be breaking twenty every week, but I think he's like a pretty safe bet to always get you in the teens. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree there. I think that is a fantastic pick. So we're sticking with running backs, first two picks. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of talk about zero running back strategy. I've seen that floating around. Yeah. Uh, with the the situation, the landscape of running backs, how they're kind of volatile sometimes. You never know if their job's going to be usurped mm-hmm. or if they're going to obviously get injured. Things you can't predict, but... I, I was reading about, oh, just go with the sure thing wide receivers in the first round and pick running backs that might emerge in the mid-rounds, which could work, but I'm still a fan of drafting running backs early. I think they are much better fantasy assets in the long run just because there are fewer elite running backs and you need them desperately to yeah. win a championship, in my opinion. Yeah, the the reason that like zero RB makes sense on paper, but the reason that running back is um, better better to get an elite one is because it gives you more of an advantage because there are less elite running backs, and that's more true than ever so far with this season with with these elite running backs going down left and right. So while there's only like a handful of trusted guys right now, that just makes them even more valuable. So while I think that there are more wide receivers in the first couple rounds than there would be otherwise um there's still you still want to get a solid running back before even the best wide receiver because the idea of waiting and grabbing someone in the mid rounds like yeah that can work or it can also blow up in your face like for every Gurley and freeman there's someone that took like amir abdullah in the mid rounds and like that didn't work out for them so yeah there's zero (laughs) rb success stories but there's just as many if not more failure stories so it's not that much safer really fully agree so sticking with that theme i'm going to take another running back third overall Mm -hmm. getting devontard right now getting devontarded in here devontarded freeman devonta freeman Third overall in the bench dash redraft week 10. And I think it's quite obvious why, if you've been paying attention to fantasy football at all this year. Um, This is something that not a lot of people saw coming, really. One, because he didn't look that great last year. Um, And two, because he wasn't even at the top of the depth chart at the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. They drafted Tevin Coleman, and it seemed to be like they favored Tevin Coleman over Freeman, and he had the starting gig coming into week one against Philadelphia. Looked good. Uh, was a starter into week two against the Giants, and then fractured a couple of ribs, and the rest has been history for Freeman, basically. He entered the scene as a starter, Uh, Week three against Dallas, where he scored three touchdowns, put up 141 yards on the ground and 52 yards receiving, just had a monster week. And this started a string of four consecutive weeks where he put up over 25 fantasy points. Mm -hmm. So 
He had three touchdowns in two consecutive games, and then he had another 150 yards rushing in the third game with a touchdown, another 100 yards and a touchdown in the fourth game. Now, the last three weeks have been a little bit slower. He hasn't put up 25 points, but he's put up 13 points in each of the last three weeks. So he has a ridiculously high floor up to this point. So since he became a starter, which was week three, he has not scored under 10 points. The lowest output is 13. And overall in the season, he is RB1 by a long shot. Mm-hmm. He's scored 180 fantasy points, which is 62 ahead of the next highest running back, Mark Ingram. 62 points. So even yeah. if he scores zero in the next couple of weeks, he'll still be the RB1 unless Ingram goes completely ham. But Devonta Freeman, hard to argue at this point. He is declining and at bench dash. We've never really been a huge believer, but I think at this point you can't really argue against the numbers mm-hmm. for this season. So since this is a redraft for this season, I'm taking Freeman just because it seems like his floor is almost Le'Veon-esque. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, Yeah, just to, I agree with this pick, but just to sort of give ourselves a pat on the back. uh, It was after week six that we said, hey, now's the time to sell Freeman because, you know, he's he's not going to put up 20 plus points a week from here on out. And since then, he's put up 13 points a week, which is still nice. It's a nice floor, but he's not putting up these top tier RB1 numbers anymore. Uh, I mean, some of that is like pandering a little bit because he also hasn't got in the end zone. So he has a touchdown in any of those weeks and all of a sudden he's back up around 20 and he's, you know, elite again. Um, yeah. So at the very least, he's shown that he has a, a very high floor with a potentially high ceiling. You know, it's kind of the same formula as Gurley and Peterson. It's just I th- we agree we'd rather have those two over him. Yes, definitely. And he looked, at least rushing-wise, he looked the worst this last week before the bye. Mm-hmm. Against San Francisco, he only had 12 rushing yards on 12 carries. So yeah. that's a, a robust one yard a carry. Mm-hmm. Now, he was saved in the receiving game where he caught eight passes for 67 yards and a touchdown. So PPR beast, basically. Standard beast. Yeah. Just because of the numbers. Now, they're going into a bye, so... Atlanta's actually struggled in the past three weeks, I guess, coinciding with Freeman's downfall. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was, he's the only reason why they were doing so well, you can argue. <laughs> but basically, yeah. Ryan hasn't really looked that good. They went into Tennessee, barely won against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then they've lost the last two games against Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Lost so, to Blaine Gabbert, which is that, that should tell yeah. you about what this team is doing. Um, and the the three-headed monster of Sean Drawn, uh, Pierre Thomas, who has since been released, <laughs> and Gaskins. It was just ugly all around yeah. for Atlanta in that game. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to keep your eye on what they're doing after the bye. If they make some adjustments, if the offense starts clicking again at the rate that it was earlier in the season. Because really it's been, the past couple of weeks, it's been more about Julio Jones. Yeah. rather than Devonta Freeman. So we'll see coming out of the bye how they look and if he goes back to being 30 points a game producer. Yeah, I mean, it's who knows? He's shown that ceiling. But um, the, the sort of the takeaway here is that um, his floor is high because he's kind of doing what Eddie Lacy was doing last year. Of He's also very involved in the receiving game. 
So even when he's just getting stuffed at the line constantly, he's still catching a lot of passes in space and piling up receiving yardage. So gives him a nice a nice high floor. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. Well, going back to me, uh, I'm going to continue the theme of running backs with the fourth overall pick of Marky Mark Ingram. There he is, Marky Mark. Marky Mark Ingram. waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, he, after Gurley, was kind of a candidate for any of these picks, uh, just yep. because he is the number two running back in fantasy so far. Um, he has a pretty high ceiling, I mean, a high floor, and his ceiling is there too. The reason why I feel especially good about him at this point is uh, uh, Kyrie Robinson isn't there. I mean, he's hurt, he's on the IR, and yep. we sort of, you know, it was sort of a question of well, how they're going to divvy up the workload without him. You know, is Spiller going to get more involved? Uh, and they didn't. Spiller saw basically the same usage he's seen all season, and they just yeah. leaned on Ingram even more. He had 22 carries. Um, so I think that they're just going to lean on him pretty hard the rest of the season. Um, this offense is playing better in the last few weeks in general. Um, and with how awful the defense is, it's the kind of always there won't be any time where they're just like hitting the brakes and the offense stops producing. Um, and so Ingram is going to be involved and he's involved a lot in the passing game. He has a lot more receptions uh, than I think people would expect. He has 37 receptions on the air, uh, which is higher than you would expect with Spiller there. Um, So he's kind of also the de facto passing down back. Yeah. So he's been heavily involved. um, Kind of the same thing of a, he has this nice, high floor with the workload he gets um and he's like a threat for multi td weeks in any given week so goal line carries yeah he's he is the goal line back there every once in a while they give one to spiller um they he was losing some to robinson which was worrisome but again robinson's gone so he's gonna start seeing more touchdown production as well um so yeah marky yeah, mark Marky Mark, yeah, I was reading that the reason why he is has kind of developed in the passing down back is because of his blocking ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they weren't, they don't trust C.J. Spiller basically in that position. So Mark Ingram has essentially developed into a three down back at yeah. this point. Yeah, which and that's is highly valuable, very valuable, especially with you know Breeze isn't the amazing quarterback he used to be from what it seems, but he is still. Very good, and so being the three down back in this offense is definitely valuable. So, yeah, exactly. Especially considering how bad their defense is, the worry might have been: okay, well, if they're playing from behind in a high percentage of the games, then Ingram might not see the field as much. But if he has become the three down back, then you don't have to worry about that situation playing out. He'll be on the field regardless, catching passes, running the ball. Solid pick. Solid pick. Solid pick indeed. All right, back to you. Back to me. Uh, pick number five. I'm going to break the streak. I'm going to pick a wide receiver. Now, this is just because we have all the knowledge up until this point. Now, of course, at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have made this pick here. But I do love my Julio Jones. Ooh. Number five overall, Julio, who has scored 143 fantasy points, which would put him... Uh, if you're comparing him to RB scoring, he would be ahead of everyone except Devonta Freeman mm-hmm. by a decent margin. He has 80 receptions for 1,029 yards on the year with six touchdowns. He's consistently been putting up high numbers. 
So he has an extremely high ceiling, around 30 points. I think we've seen him hit this season. And he has an extremely high floor as well. So he's exactly the type of player you want to look at in the first round because you can almost assuredly assume that you're going to get 10-plus points out of Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And even when he's not catching touchdown passes a la last week against San Francisco, he still caught 10 passes for 137 yards. So that's still 13.7 fantasy points, which could be argued is around his floor. 10 to 13 points would be a bad week for Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And he's getting targeted at an insane rate. Um, nothing really to worry about with Julio Jones, except he's, he's always kind of dinged up. You never really know what, if he's going to blow a hammy or end up on the injury report and miss a week. So far, he's stayed completely healthy. Uh, so cross your fingers for the rest of the season at this point because he seems to be the best receiving option out there. And there are quite a few good ones, but mm-hmm. I consider Julio to be the best. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, that's sort of a, a clear indication of what the running back situation is this season that, you know, I'm the same way as you that I prefer to go like running back heavy early. So for me, you know, during the preseason, Julio was like a, like a late first round pick just because there was enough running backs that I liked more. But now yep. like just due to injuries and like volatility, like he has like, now like a top five pick and there's like one other running back i take before him who i will take next but i don't have an issue with him anywhere in this range because he is extremely high floor extremely high ceiling like one of the you know as much as we talk about volatility at running back it's there at receiver too there's only a handful of receivers that are just like very safe and he is one of them yeah, and, and I pretty much know who you're talking about for your running back, so I'll go ahead and let you take him. Oh, really? Well, then, yeah. we will see as I'm wrong. about to prove you wrong when I pick beast mode Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn. Is that who you thought I'd pick? Yeah. Damn it. Basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the last obvious pick. Um, he started off slow, for sure, this year, um, mostly due to injury. Got hurt in week three, then missed a couple weeks. Um, came back and had a couple nice weeks against Carolina and San Francisco. Not so great against Dallas this last week. Um, that has more to do with the offensive line than him. Uh, as a Seattle fan, I've watched all of these games closely and can vouch for him being the same player he's been the last few years. He's not any slower or less powerful. He's, he's still the same guy. It's just that this line has been worse than anyone could have imagined. Um, but it has improved over the last couple of weeks. It's gone from completely non NFL caliber to now just bottom five NFL caliber line. <laughs> um, but the hope is that they've had the bye week. They're shifting things around. They come out and they have figured it out. Um, that is, would be the ideal scenario. Um, and the sort of plus side is that the schedule for him is pretty good the rest of the way. He gets Arizona this week, which is a, not a great matchup. The run defense isn't quite as stout as people vouch for them but they're like a negative matchup i guess you could say and yep. then pittsburgh in week 12 and they are a good run defense but other than that it's a lot of soft run defenses um despite the fact that Devonte just got stuffed the niners have not been good against the run this year um his playoff schedule is nice with baltimore cleveland and um st louis is kind of an iffy one they've been okay against the run um but i'm confident that by week week 16 the Seahawks will figure yeah. out their line issues and Lynch will be fine. A lot of it is 
the passing game hasn't been good in Seattle either. And so they're just not moving the ball in general. He's not getting scoring opportunities. He only has two touchdowns on the season, which is low for him. Um, so the hope is coming out of the bye. They've, the line is playing a little bit better. Um, they've realized that Jimmy Graham is their best receiver and they should probably throw it to him more. And so they move the ball better and <laughs> have more scoring opportunities. So yeah, I think Lynch will be, I think we're going to see the, the vintage beast mode from here on out. Yeah. Skittles. Yeah. We're going to see the vintage Skittles. Yeah. So basically, yeah. Marshawn Lynch right now is RB 38. Uh, but he is one of the last healthy top seven options coming into the season. Yeah. Now we've, li- we listed Adrian Peterson, who is probably the only one of the only first round running backs that went in the first round at the beginning of the season that we're talking about now outside mm-hmm. of Marshawn Lynch, uh, obviously Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, Matt Forte. We don't really know what's happening with Matt Forte. There's been a plethora of injuries. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch is healthy. He just had the bye week, like you said, and he's still beast mode. He should still eat up huge chunks of yardage. He's still running the same way if you watch him play. Yeah. So nothing much to worry about there. He was injured a couple of weeks in the beginning of the season, which accounts for some of his his overall low output. Mm-hmm. But like you said, he's looked better in the last couple of weeks outside of the Dallas game maybe, but... After the bye week, I think he'll re-enter the top five rest of the season conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. And it's actually quite crazy to look at who is considered an RB1 at this point mm-hmm. when we're talking about this redraft episode because things have changed so much that people like Danny Woodhead, <laughs> uh, Frank Gore, D'Angelo Williams, these are all RB1 by the numbers mm-hmm. so the first round should play out i guess in an interesting manner coming up especially in the next couple of picks because i'm going to go wide receiver again mm-hmm. so what do we pick six now that, that was six so you're pick number seven. Oh, pick seven okay that was six all right mm-hmm. obviously i can't even follow yeah uh, <laughs> that's all right i'm keeping the, track the order you know so that's why you're the mvp you're the mvp the you're real just, mvp you're just here for your looks i do all the heavy lifting yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm going with the only target in Houston, DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. Fantasy monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has had his bye week. So he's played one less game than Julio Jones. And he has scored 125 points, which is 17 points less. So it's not out of reality that he could amass 17 points in one week and pass Julio Jones as the overall number one wide receiver in fantasy, mm-hmm. which he was for a chunk of the season already. Yeah. So he has put up more points than any running back outside of Freeman again. So having the luxury of hindsight, uh, it's easier to make these wide receiver picks in the middle of the first round of a redraft because we know that they're producing at a consistent rate. And Houston has been dealt with the injury bug obviously foster was hurt coming into the season came back got hurt again mm-hmm. so hopkins has remained the primary beneficiary in terms of offensive volume he is seeing everything basically the offense revolves around him they don't really have a running game they have alfred pokemon blue <laughs> and uh grimes that three-headed something right. of a committee 
basically, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, his other competitors in terms of wide receivers are Nate Washington, who is has been injured for a huge chunk of the year, mm-hmm. and Cecil Shorts, who's also been injured for a huge chunk of the year. So it's basically him out there. Yeah. It's basically the two players that run out onto the field when it's the offense's turn, uh, Brian Hoyer and DeAndre Hopkins, and they just do their thing together. Mm-hmm. No offensive line, no running game, no tight end, just two men versus 12 versus 11. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is my pick for seventh overall. He sees incredible volume. He has 66 receptions, 870, which is not... 8,000. I almost uh, got ahead of myself. 8, but it seems 000. like he's 8,000 yards by week 10. Yeah, he's averaging you know 800 yards a game. So, yeah, he's uh-huh. uh, been solid. There's nothing really more to say uh, than he's been right up with Julio Jones, the top wide receiver in fantasy. So yeah. I'm taking him at number seven overall. I feel comfortable the same for the same reasons that I selected Julio Jones because his floor is incredibly high. Mm-hmm. He's seeing targets up the wazoo, yeah, you know, fifteen targets a game, basically. So the numbers are there. I don't really see him slowing down because, like I said, there's nobody else in Houston. So even mm-hmm. if defenses are honing in on stopping him, he's still going to see the volume. So the numbers should still follow. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, he's kind of like one of the big surprises of this season because even though like he was a higher pick he was going the third round most places i don't yeah. think anyone quite expected this um and he's, no i don't think so no so he's been very legit he likely will be you know ranked as a first or second round pick next year um because despite the fact that i said to sell high on him a few weeks ago he still produced pretty well he had one bad week against um Miami. Miami, yeah. They got blown out of the water. Yeah, that game was ugly all around. Right. Yeah, that was the weird Nate Washington game. Um, but yeah, yeah he, it's sort of the example of even when dealing with a poor matchup. We saw this with uh, Alshon last week. Even dealing with like a poor matchup, if it's like a talented player getting just absurd amount of volume, they'll still produce. Um, so yep. it's so despite the fact that his schedule has some, some rough spat, spots along the way, he's actually a pretty a pretty safe pick. Um, yeah cool so i'll toss it over to you toss it over to me yeah this is the first spot where i struggle a little bit um because we're getting into those like fringe running backs and there's still some elite wide receivers so i'm gonna go wide receiver oh you're not going danny woodhead (laughs) no not quite (laughs) Um, not not yet right not not yet yeah um i think here i will take with the news of uh big ben shedding his walking boot um and possibly playing this week um I will take Antonio Brown. Ant-Man Brown. Ant-Man Brown. 300 total yards last week. I mean, there isn't much to say (laughs) other than look at what he did last week. Um, Yeah, with Ben running this offense, Antonio is just an unstoppable beast. He had had something like 30-plus fantasy points with uh, no touchdown. Like, how, how does that happen? How do you put together that much yardage and not get in the end zone? It's... It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. He literally has the highest floor of any player in fantasy um, with Ben there. So I guess the concern is, you know, Ben's been hurt a couple times this season. Do you worry about that going forward? But that also has to do with that the next set of quarterbacks are just garbage behind Ben. I don't think that's really says anything bad about Antonio. 
Um, yeah, so Michael Vick and, and Landry, <laughs> Landry Jones. Jones. Yeah, just bad, bad, bad. Um, yeah, so crazy high floor. Um, ceiling is there, too, because he gets utilized a lot in the red zone despite not being a huge target. Um, yeah, it's yeah. don't really need to say much about him other than that, you know, it's going wide receiver here because at that point I would rather have the safety of him over the sort of volatility of the running backs that are left. Yeah. I completely agree. And man Brown, he was probably considered the top wide receiver going into the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess he's lost a little bit of value along the way, kind of with Julio being Julio, Mm -hmm. having monster weeks, and then Roethlisberger going down to injury. There was some speculation that, oh, maybe this isn't the season for Antonio Brown. But he's shown the past couple weeks that he's still the same wide receiver. He just had an incredible week against Oakland, yeah. who have a terrible secondary. But still, to put up 300 yards, he did fumble a punt return, so I think he dipped below 30 points just because he lost a fumble. Mm-hmm. But still, it was just absurd amounts of yards. He was targeted 24 times, which is, yeah. I don't even know. 17 catches, insane. Yeah, some quarterbacks don't even throw the ball 24 times <laughs> in one game. Yeah. But he was targeted 24 times, so... Antonio Brown, as long as Roethlisberger is there, he is as safe as any wide receiver in the game. Mm. Definitely. 100%. Yeah, despite the fact um, that he had three weeks where he had less than five fantasy points each week, so three pretty abysmal weeks, uh, he is the number three wide receiver in fantasy behind only Julio and Hopkins. I mean, that's skewed by this giant game, but still, that shows you that he is a very safe pick here. All right, throwing it back to you, who you got? Tossing it back. So what are we at? Nine now, right? Nine, yeah. This where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go based off of a little bit of the rest of the season schedule here, yeah. and only because we don't really know what Matt Forte's status is. I think he would have been selected by this point if Definitely, we knew. Yeah. If he was coming back this week, then he would have been off the board already. But mm-hmm. John Fox is... He basically doesn't update injuries at all. No matter the severity of the injury, it's day-to-day. Yeah. They could be in a wheelchair and it's, oh, it's day-to-day. We'll see how he's progressing, you know? Yeah. Torn ACL, day rub some Robitussin on his body. Yeah. <laughs> Robitussin. And, and he'll be fine, you know? Yeah. So everything is day-to-day. Alshon was day-to-day for five weeks earlier this season. Yeah, so we don't true. really know when Forte is coming back. So I'm going to go back to the running back field and take... Lamar Miller. Oh, that's who I that's who I almost took over Antonio, but yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Lamar Miller, yeah, just because he has been as consistent as you can be in the last four weeks. Now, they had a week four bye. Uh was it week four or week five? No, it was week five they had the bye. So he struggled in the beginning of the season when they had Joe Philbin as a coach. He just wasn't receiving volume. So he wasn't putting up the yardage. He was a little dinged up, too. He rolled his ankle in week two and was kind of iffy up until the bye week. Mm-hmm. But coming out of the bye, he's put up ridiculous numbers. He's hasn't. Well, he had one week where he scored under 10, but his output has basically been right around averaging 15 to 20 points. And that's taking into consideration that he had a week where he scored 9.4. Mm-hmm. So... Coming out of the bye week, he has had 100 yards rushing two times, 113 against Tennessee, 175 against 
Houston, and then he scored a touchdown in four straight games, totaling six touchdowns in that time, actually. He's been utilized in the receiving game to the tune of uh, 97 yards. Last week against Buffalo, he put up 61 yards against Houston in his monster game, and he scored a touchdown through the air as well. So he's basically a three-down back in Miami right now. Mm-hmm. Now the only question mark with him is volume still because if you look at the last three weeks he hasn't received 15 carries yet yeah but the last two games they were trailing from the get-go and he made up ground last week by being utilized in the the passing game so i don't really have a fear that he's going to revert to his his first week our first couple of weeks status i think he'll continue putting up good chunks of yardage whether it be on the ground or in the air because dan campbell seems kind of committed to giving him the ball yeah the only i guess worrisome thing about lamar miller you could say is that jay ajahi has returned from injury and dan campbell seems to love this guy and mm-hmm. they've already said after one week that they're going to try to feed him the ball more yeah uh, i really can't see him eating too much into lamar miller's time uh, because with the numbers that he's put up in the last four weeks, it would be kind of ridiculous again to just be like, all right, well, we're going to give you five carries a game again. I hope see what you can do with them. But Lamar Miller, he has been the RB3, and this is taking into consideration that he has only really had four good weeks. He didn't score at all before the bye, and now he has six touchdowns after the bye. So he seems to be a touchdown machine. He's putting up the yardage to go along with it, too. So he is the overall running back three, which is kind of ridiculous, behind Freeman and Ingram. So Lamar Miller seems to be a locked-in RB1 for the rest of the season. The Thriller Mella, number nine. Thriller Miller, yeah. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Yeah, the Ajayi stuff is a little worrisome. But even if he does get himself a little bit of a workload, um, he seems to be a big part of this offense. So I think he's still pretty safe. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I will take it back here, and I will pick um, a little bit of a a pick on faith, but based off of what happened this last week, I will say Demarco Demurray. Ah, uh, I thought that's who you were going to pick. Yeah. Um. You know, he obviously started off the season uh, putridly with four just horrific weeks, uh, but since then has actually been pretty good. Um. His like fantasy point totals in his last four games are. 18, 18.6, 7, and then after the bye, 22.1. Um, so he's actually been pretty good since then. Uh, you could chalk out some of that to just comfort level in a different offense. Um, this offense itself being awful the first month of the season. And now yep. coming out of the bye, um, he had a great game. Averaged almost five yards a carry against a run defense that just slowed down uh, Marshawn Lynch. So this isn't like a soft run defense by any means. Um and it, this offense in general also looks better, which was a lot of where his value was coming from, is there's going to be a lot of scoring opportunities, which yeah. turned out to be true. Um, so, yes, you know, we some of it is on faith because, you know, we've seen it happen once since the bye, and it's, you know, does this keep happening or do they melt down again? Uh, but I will say watching it that he looks like the same player he did last year, um, and he seems to have sort of figured out how to do more of the shotgun running style because he has looked good. So I think that's who, you know, imagine if I was sitting there and this was a real draft and I had the 10th pick and these are the players that were left. I would take DeMarco just because I wouldn't be confident there was any running back 
worth owning coming around the other side. You know, like I'd be worried that the next couple decent running backs would go off the board and I'd be stuck with someone that's really an RB2 is my RB1. So at a certain point, exactly. it's I'd rather have DeMarco and Gamble that he can keep putting up RB1 numbers than one of these still safe wide receiver ones. Yeah, and even with his struggles, he's still an RB1 as yeah. of this point. He is the RB12, so mm-hmm. slides right into that discussion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're, we've been waiting for an adjustment, either from the coaching staff or from DeMarco Murray, because earlier on in the season, it was clearly obvious that he wasn't comfortable running out of the shotgun, that he need, needed a head of steam. He can't. He can just start from a sideways position, running side to side. He needs to be running north to south. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of games where it seemed like the coaching staff was making an adjustment to kind of accommodate him. They were putting a couple tight ends in, and they were giving him the ball with a head of steam, and he was picking up chunks of yardage. So like you said, he looks like the same back. Mm-hmm given certain circumstances, but the offense as a whole has struggled. So if he can adjust and kind of remain elite running out of the shotgun position, then he'll return to DeMarco, maybe not DeMarco Murray of last year, but he'll return to being a solid running back one. Right. And so far last week, it looked like he kind of, well, you hope it was because they had the buy. And he's rejuvenated himself because he played a huge role in the the running and passing game. So he was kind of that same all situations back again. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. With pick number 10, you can't really go wrong. That's basically where he was going in the beginning of the season anyway. So mm-hmm. he hasn't really lost that much value no. if you think about it. So DeMarco Murray is as safe as it gets to, considering what's left right. in the running back field. Okay, so we're almost done with the first round here, mm. assuming that it's a 12-man league. Yeah. So we're to pick number 11, and I'm sure if anyone's listening, they've been waiting for this pick. Uh, it's a very hot topic whether or not to take someone of this position in the first round, no. but got to do it just because we know the production that has happened so far up to this point. You're taking a how- kicker, aren't you? Taking a kicker, yes. <laughs> Justin Tucker. Oh. Oh, no. I'm taking Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski. Yeah, Gronk. So at number 11, he has been by far tight end number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eifert's had a good year, but Gronkowski is still 15 points ahead in the same amount of games. And he plays in the New England offense. Hard to argue. He gets the volume. He scores the touchdowns. He seems to have a high floor. And this is even coming after a subpar game against Washington. But on the season, he has 111.3 points, which would put him ahead of all running backs except for Freeman and Ingram. So he is putting up huge points. And the tight end position is so volatile in general. It's hit or miss. It's basically there's a top tier of Gronk and Eifert and Olsen this mm-hmm. season. And then after that, it's a bunch of whatever else you can find and hope for the best. Right. So having that guarantee in the tight end position based on what else was out there, I think, okay, I'm going to take Gronk. I'm going to shore up the tight end position I'm going to get my 10-plus points a week, and then you're going to have to try to find bargains through the rest of the draft. Take an RB in the next round. Find your wide receivers. Wide receivers are always easier to find in the mid-rounds. Plus, 
they kind of develop as the season goes along as well. Mm-hmm. For example, Michael Crabtree is a wide receiver one right now. Nobody would have seen that coming, but he is somebody you could take later on. If you take a tight end in the first round, which is not something that I am really an advocate for. Uh, and when Gronk was going in the first round at the beginning of the year, I wasn't a fan of the pick. But just because we've lost so many running backs to injury and the running back field is kind of depleted in general, it's almost a crapshoot outside of a handful of guys. I'm just looking for players that are going to give me a high floor right now, and Gronk right. fits that mold. So I'm taking Gronk, the ball spiker, the world destroyer, Kowski. Gronk on Gronkowski. Um, yeah, that's I kind of had the same apprehensions of taking a tight end that early. But with the like running back injury apocalypse that has happened, and then you know even like some of the top wide receivers haven't been as safe as we thought. At that point, it's just about well, he's giving you an advantage, so why not? Um, Okay, well then that leaves the last pick of the first round, the last pick of our little mock draft. Um, It does. This is where we start getting some uh, some really dicey options. in terms of who's yeah. left, um, since this is going to be the last pick, um, I'm, well, I am going to choose someone. I'm going to throw out names that I'm also considering. You know, like I wouldn't be against taking uh, Latavius Tay Train Murray here um, or yep. Shady McCoy um, if you're not worried about the like how banged up he's been all season, although he's been very productive when he's been healthy or at least when he's yep. played. Um, but I am going to sort of throw out a Maybe a slightly contrarian pick right here. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, there's a couple I could go with, but I'll go with this one um, really based off of what we just saw on Monday, and that is going to be Alshanius Jeffrey. Um, Ooh. Yeah, a little little there bit of a, a hot take there. Um, if this were a real draft, hot I would stake. A hot stake. If this was a real draft, I probably wouldn't just because I would expect that maybe he falls and could be gotten later. Um, yeah. But for the sake of arguing of, you know, is he the 12th best player overall, the best player on the board? Uh, I'll argue yes, um, because of the same reasons that Hopkins was a good pick. And that's just crazy amounts of volume. Um, there's like with Forte hurt, the, the 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 running game is less of a foundation. They're having to throw it more um, because he's getting so much volume and he's talented he's almost like matchup proof even with ferret there he was still productive on monday um and yep. ferret isn't like a shutdown corner by any means but he is still a very good corner um so it's to see him produce in that matchup is promising um so i think that he is you know you, it wouldn't be crazy to take like odell here instead i wouldn't blame you for that at all but yeah um beckham's been like very volatile he's been very up and down as that offense goes up and down and alshon since he's come back has just kind of consistently produced because he just gets so many targets yeah um, he could have even had a bigger week against san diego he dropped a touchdown pass and yeah. he got tackled at the one yard line on another play so if he gets into the end zone he's looking at 20 plus points but still he ends up with over 150 receiving yards on 15 targets so mm-hmm. he is he's been a target monster and like you said, that's you're looking for a player with a high floor. And with the way that Cutler's been peppering Alshon with targets, assuming his legs don't fall off, he should be a good option the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Well, 
that basically wraps up our uh, our little mock draft sort of re recap because I was keeping track of the names there. The <laughs> the the list that we have for our bench dash approved top twelve overall basically is uh, a yeah. Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Devonta Freeman, Marky Mark Ingram, uh, Julio Quintares Jones, boom, uh, Beast Mode Lynch. Nook Hopkins, uh, Ant-Man Brown, I don't have a nickname for Lamar Miller, uh, Miller Time Miller, uh, Thriller Miller, Thriller Miller, Thriller. Yeah. Uh, DeMarco DeMurray, uh, Gronk, and Alshanius Jeffrey. They're Alshanius <laughs> to Alshanius. wrap up round one. So if we're just, you know, throwing some darts for the second round here, who are some names that you think would come up in a, a redraft would you draft Chris Johnson in the second round at this point? No, probably no. not. I think, I mean, he would probably be an early third round. I just think that I could find 12 players I want before him. Um, yep. But yeah, like some other like interesting names that would pop up in the second round is like um, D'Angelo Williams would be a second round pick for sure. Um, now that we know that Le'Veon Bell is done. Yeah. D'Angelo Williams, of course. Definitely D'Angelo. Like Latavius, like we mentioned, uh, Chris Ivory, probably, uh, yep. Jonathan Stewart, Brandon Marshall, um, Alan Robinson, maybe Alan Edelman, Edelman for sure. Edelman would be in the next couple picks probably. Um, yeah, he would somebody that I was even considering taking Yeah, with, right at the end of the first round, just because of the volume and the offense that he plays in. Yeah. That wouldn't be like There's, a very hot take at all. And he's getting like a crazy amount of like red zone targets too. He just keeps scoring touchdowns, which isn't really his wheelhouse but it just keeps happening and i'm feeling less and like they're less and less like they're fluky um so he's he has you know a floor almost as high as anyone else and we've seen him break 20 plus points so yep edelman is like this like really unsexy top five wide receiver and but yeah, but that's that's still a great thing to have um Dion lewis would have been here but yeah, a lot of receivers would go off the board in the second round, I feel. Yeah, it'd be very receiver-heavy with, like, a couple running backs peppered in. Sprinkled like, in. Sprinkled yeah. in. Like, Demarius Thomas would appear in there. Amari Cooper, probably. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, okay, we finally did it. We so did it. Looks, we looks vastly different from how the first round went. At the beginning of the season, we should probably uh, tweet this out. Our oh, redraft first round on the Twitter box. Yeah. The official bench dash There's Twitter really box. only, like... Lynch, Peterson, um, Julio, Antonio. There's really only like four, maybe five players that would have been first round picks in the preseason that are here in this list now. And the more surprising are like Freeman, who went largely undrafted. Uh, Gurley, who was like a mid-round pick. Hopkins, who was like third round. Miller was mid-round. You know, it's a lot of these mid and late round guys are producing like first round picks. I've moved up yeah like Alshon was probably second third round yeah so it's been a surprising season it's been one to forget if you drafted somebody like CJ Henderson in the mm-hmm. first round or Eddie Lacy at this point or if you got bit by the industry injury bug with Jamal Charles or Le'Veon Bell yeah the uh, pe- I guess Arian Foster wasn't taken in the first round, so you don't really have to worry about that. If you lost Foster, you sh- you should have been okay, anyways. Yeah, it's like the the way you would have had the most success drafting this year would have been if you like 
didn't have a pick in the first couple rounds. If you like somehow could trade picks and you had like two third round picks instead of a first round pick, you probably were better because of it. Because a lot of these successful players are coming out of like the third through fifth rounds. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy Hill's another one who didn't Jeremy really pan Hill. out or yeah. hasn't panned out yet. No, yeah. So it's been ugly for the first round running backs, mm-hmm. either due to performance or injury. It's been a crazy year for fantasy football. Crazy year for fantasy footballs. All right. Crazy well, year. we're already at like the 50 minute mark. So let's like quickly. Oh. Yeah, we, we got deep into that. So let's like quickly give out uh, some streaming and quarterback picks and we'll wrap this up. Okay. So, so streaming Willie Beeman. Come on, come on. My name is Willie. Streaming Willie Beeman. Yeah. Okay, so we'll talk about the quarterbacks with the Frank and QB. So these are just tight ends, defenses you can stream mm-hmm. if you're desperate. Mm-hmm. There's still teams on by this week. Could be in a tight spot. So as far as the defense goes, uh, I'm going to throw out the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Hatchback Steelers, even though they got torched last week by the now quote unquote elite offense of Oakland, uh, they're playing Cleveland this week. Uh, the Cleveland situation at quarterback is undetermined. We don't know if we're getting Josh McCown or Johnny Football. They basically have no running game. It's ugly, ugly, ugly in Cleveland, or it has been. Uh, basically, the only bright spot on the Cleveland Browns has been the barnyard dog, Gary Barnich. So, yeah, I'm liking Pittsburgh as a streaming option. They should put up decent numbers, should have an okay floor against a Cleveland Browns offense that will probably turn the ball over. Mm. Yeah, and I'm with you. There is. Um, yeah. I like that pick. Uh, another defense I'm going to throw out is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs against the, the Denver Broncos. Uh, this isn't like a particularly Ooh. good good defense in fact this is a little bit of a hot take um this is more of just that Peyton has not been um good really um yeah in fact he's been pretty favorable to opposing fantasy defenses these are the scores of fantasy defenses that have faced Peyton Manning this year 16 11 5 6 10 13 the bye week and then two and five so there's like a couple stinkery performances there but nothing that really hurt you no negatives and four that are in the double digits and kansas city who we're naming here had 11 points in week two um so this is like a there he's actually like a pretty safe streaming option um you know maybe coming out of the bye he's playing a little better so maybe expecting double digit fantasy points is a bit presumptuous but, you know, five or six, like a, a little something is, uh, I don't think, a crazy thing to expect. I don't think I don't think starting the Chiefs this week is going to hurt you, which means it probably will now that I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's... So that I'm going to put up negative eight. I'm going to put up negative eight, probably. Okay, so we listed the Steelers, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Is there a lot of high percentage defenses that are off the board just because they're owned so i guess if sean hill is playing you take the oakland raiders right yeah yeah i like that uh quite a bit with sean hill there because that that defense actually has like it's a good run defense a good pass rush it's really just that their secondary is garbage but sean hill isn't a good quarterback so i don't think that matters 
Yeah, they and last week they were missing their best defensive back, mm-hmm. which probably attributed to the reason why Antonio Brown went so crazy. Now he would have had a good game regardless, but I don't think he would have put up 300 yards mm-hmm. if TJ Carey was playing. Uh, TJ Carey should be back this week. They're outside of Stephon Diggs, Minnesota doesn't really have a receiving threat. Yeah, uh, you can't really consider Mike Wallace a receiving threat right now. So if yeah. Sean Hill is a quarterback. Then I just foresee Oakland stacking the box and daring Sean Hill to beat them, yeah. which probably won't happen. They have Woodson playing out of his mind, even though he's basically a corpse. So he's intercepting passes left and right. Mm. There's a chance you get multiple turnovers and maybe a low. Minnesota's not a high-scoring offense, so I doubt that they're going to put up a ton of points. So that would be a good streaming option. Minnesota's also going to be playing on the road. And sometimes teams coming to the West Coast have the same problems that the West Coast teams have when they have to fly all the way to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So I could foresee a bad performance from Minnesota. We already saw them struggle mightily in the Bay Area week one against San Francisco. Now, of course, that's week one. Teams haven't really fully acclimated to the season yet. But they that was probably the week that Minnesota looked the absolute worst was when they played in the Bay Area. So they're returning to the Bay Area. Maybe they'll put up another stinker. And Oakland is probably 0% owned as far as defenses right. go. So. Yeah. yeah, and Interesting which, streaming option. Yeah, no, I like them for sure if it's uh, Sean Hill. And if Teddy does play and you couldn't get the Chiefs or Steelers, uh, then the Ravens are a decent option just because it is against Jacksonville. Uh, and even though Bortles has played better from a fantasy perspective, he is still not a very good NFL quarterback. Uh, and he is still prone to turn over the ball on occasion. So yep. they they are certainly have a scary floor uh, with how just awful that secondary is. But they also could put up decent numbers against uh, Bortles slinging the rock with reckless abandon. Yeah. Um, and he actually has weapons now with Allen. The Allens. Yeah. Yeah, so Allen squared with the Allen squared. So that's a risky one. I prefer the other three before them, but some you might be able to get if you're in a pinch. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to tight ends now. Mm-hmm. Uh, tight end streamers also kind of a interesting week. There's not a lot of clear cut. Oh, okay. I'm going to pick him up off the wire and insert him into the lineup. Right. So I think the first tight end name I'm going to toss out is. Do my calculations here. Ooh. Eric Ebron. Yeah. For the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Playing in Lambeau Field. They're not a good team. I don't think the Cooter effect will magically transform them <laughs> the into Cooter a effect. competitive playoff team. <laughs> and Green Bay has struggled the last couple weeks. So you know that they're going to come into this game at home with a lot of angst built up they need to release on a division <laughs> foe i mean yeah. they went to denver after the bye and got completely embarrassed to the point where aaron Rodgers had 77 yards passing mm-hmm. then they went to carolina and they were getting blown out early in the game now they mm-hmm. did cr- kind of crawl back and make it competitive into the fourth quarter actually they almost tied the game late but didn't happen so they've lost two games in a row they're returning home now it seems like Green Bay has a lot of weapons returning. Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb seems to be rounding into form, so the passing game is, is on point. Now their struggles come in the running game. But point being, 
they should be putting up a ton of points against Detroit. So Eric Ebron, shifting back to the Lions, and the reason why you would pick up Eric Ebron, they're probably going to be down right from the get-go. I can't foresee a situation where they are in this game into the fourth quarter, but even if they're in the game, if they shock the world and they're competitive, Eric Ebron will still be receiving the targets. He is He's kind of solidified himself right in the Golden Tate conversation in terms of who is the second target behind Calvin Johnson. Eric Ebron is right there with Golden Tate, so he'll see the targets regardless, but if they're behind and Stafford's forced to throw the entire game, which is not out of the question because the running backs aren't inspiring. They have Mm -hmm. Joke Bell and Amir Abdullah who received one touch in the last game they played. So I like Eric Eric Ebron simply because he has touchdown potential, he has big play potential, and he will receive the volume. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a nice pick. Um, I'll throw out Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he might not be available in your league, but if he is, then uh, he's a nice pick because the Oakland effect is still a real thing. It wasn't Heath Miller last week. It was a uh, Jesse James, if I have the name correct, was the tight end who <laughs> scored against something Oakland. like that. Yeah, yeah. So Oakland is still giving up um, fantasy points to the tight end, and Kyle Rudolph is the man in Minnesota, uh, especially if Teddy plays because they do have a repuller. Um, yeah. So yeah. Rudolph is a nice, nice pick. Touchdown. Yeah, he, he might score a touchdown, which is what you're looking for. Yeah, streaming tight end, you're looking for a touchdown. That seems like that matchup. Kyle Rudolph feels like a touchdown. Probably could be. He'll probably throw up like five receiving yards and a touchdown, which yeah. will still give you 65 points. Or 65, 65 points. points. 65 points from Kyle Rudolph. Man. I'm rounding up. You know, first it was Hopkins with his 8,000 <laughs> receiving yards. Yeah. And now Kyle Rudolph with 65 points. 65 this fantasy points against Oakland. You heard it here first. record. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, All right. Who else is there out there? Uh, I would say... Back to the Detroit game, uh, Richard Rodgers on the other side of the yeah. ball. Uh, just because he's the de facto tight end there, um, so he's involved a lot. Uh, and and the Detroit is actually um, in the bottom third against the, the tight end um, on the year. In fact, to be more specific, they are the 23rd ranked defense against the tight end. Um, so it is a favorable matchup. Uh, it is at home. Lambeau, so we're going to get angry Aaron Rodgers after two rough games. Um, it's going to come out, and uh, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. You're betting on a touchdown, but with uh, Cobb still struggling, you know, no clear. I mean, you still have James Jones there, but it seems like anytime they get in the red zone, it's kind of up for grabs. So yep. I like Richard Rodgers to, to maybe get in the end zone. I like Ebram and Rudolph more than him for sure. But Richard Rodgers is a nice, probably completely unowned option. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess another name you can toss out is Crockett Gilmore. Mm. If, you know, Flacco needs to throw the ball to somebody, he basically has nobody. Kamar Aiken, if that is, if that qualifies as somebody. But, yeah, he could be an option simply because they need to pass the ball. And playing Jacksonville, surprisingly, they might find themselves down in the game. They might be a competitive game, so they'll be slinging the rock a little bit. So Crockett Gilmore could be probably at the bottom of that list, but another streaming option if you're desperate. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, so those are some 
some good picky wikis. Uh, so let's transition this right into uh, Franken quarterback. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Oh, in the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God. Franken QB. Franken QB. Uh, to review, so we have a couple things to review. <laughs> we didn't do a podcast last week, so we first need to go back talk about what happened in week eight. And then uh, yeah. talk about... Jumping the DeLorean. Nine. Yeah. Head to the pass. Right. Um, so, in week eight, uh, I had picked Alex Smith, who finishes the QB6 with 27.6 fantasy points. I uh, had that rushing touchdown and 60-plus rushing yards somehow. I didn't see any of this yep. game, so I have no idea how it happened. But if you started Alex Smith, you were very happy. Um and you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who unfortunately got hurt. Yeah. So yeah, injured right off the bat in the first drive of that game. He yeah. tore ligaments in his thumb, apparently, and was out the rest of the game. Aside from one play, he came in later when Geno Smith got knocked out. Mm-hmm. So he basically did nothing the entire game. Right. So I'm sorry if you picked Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can't really foresee an injury like that. He probably would have had a big game if he was healthy or a decent enough game. 20 yeah. points around there. It felt like a safe pick, you know, so it's a lot of people probably went down with you on that ship. Um, yeah. So with, you know, that Fitzpatrick getting three points and him finishing as like the, the QB 87 or whatever it was, um, <laughs> you know, that certainly hurts. And then we'll move on to this week um, or in week nine. So we didn't do a podcast and we didn't officially tweet anything out because we're the worst, but we had privately discussed that uh, I liked Fitzpatrick and you like if he was going to play, and you like Winston. Um, Fitzpatrick did yep. play, and Winston also played. So we're going with those, mostly because they finished about the same fantasy points, and need, this isn't giving us a huge advantage either way, because Fitzpatrick yep. finishes the QB 11 with 18.8 fantasy points, and Winston finishes the QB 12 with 18.2 fantasy points. Uh, so both were QB 1s, low-end QB 1s, but that's what you're looking for when you're streaming. Um, yep. And so on the season, that puts me at QB8 with 164 fantasy points and you at QB19 with 118. Oof. You'd probably be a little higher up if it weren't for that Fitzpatrick week. But the Fitzpatrick debacle. Fitzpatrick debacle. Holding me back. Holding but it's you all back. right. I think this is a week where I'll jump at least five spots. Yeah. I'm calling it now. Calling my shots. Calling your shots. Yeah, so um, I'll let you take the first pick since you're coming off this Injury, um, <laughs> injury nightmare with Fitzpatrick. All right, so I'm going to go with probably a fairly obvious choice here, just because Nolens has been so bad mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks, and they are giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. I'm going to go with Kirk. How do you like me now, Cousins? <laughs> Yeah, Kirky Cousins. Yeah, that's who I'd be taking here too. That is like Kirky Cousins. Easily the the top streamer of the week. Yep. So, I think he'll probably put up a, at least 18 to 20 points. Yeah. I I mean, that's what I'm hoping for, if not more, if it turns into, you know, shootout. But mm-hmm. New Orleans is giving up 24.5 points to opposing quarterbacks, so there is a high potential for a great game from Kirk Cousins and he even though they played New England last week, he had an okay week. Nothing amazing, but nothing 
completely terrible like Tannehill the week before. Mm-hmm. So Kirk Cousins seems to be like he is a safe play at the very least this week, if not primed for a huge outbreak. Yeah, um, I definitely like that. Definitely the the safest pick for sure. Um, so if the Jets hadn't been playing literally as we speak, I would have picked Fitzpatrick again. Um, but that sort of takes him out of the race. And then that leaves us with pretty thin at viable options. Um, yeah. So I'm going to throw out... Um, Let's hear it. I want to make sure his ownership percentage isn't too high before I throw this guy out. And I'm not just like making a mockery of what we're trying to do. Oh, God, no, he's owning 70%. I was going to say Blake Bortles, but that's way too high. Um, yeah, Blake Bortles was a good choice. I know he's he's owned a lower in a lower percentage of ESPN leagues. Right. But in Yahoo, I think he's, yeah, 70% or something. So, Right. Um, yeah, and Landry Jones is a, a gamble now that it sounds like um, – Ben might play this week. Um, man, and Teddy is a rough option. I'm going to go with... Um, his ownership is a little high, but I'm going to... Let me see what it is in ESPN. Because it's 60 in Yahoo, which is still high. So let me just check. ESPN. ESPN. Um Whatever, I'm going to name him anyway, because it's in the 40s on ESPN. Uh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flaconator. Yeah, at home against uh, Jacksonville. Um, They have been a a favorable matchup so far this year. Um, They haven't allowed less than 15 fantasy points to quarterback, with the exception of Cam Newton in week one, which is kind of weird. He only had 12 fantasy points. Um, But since then, it's like... um, you know, Tom Brady had a nice game. Forget about that. But Hasselback had 15 points against them. Winston had 15. Brian Hoyer put up 24. EJ Ooh. Manuel, 17. Uh, Fitzpatrick last week, the 18. So they're still a pretty safe target to uh, stream your quarterback against. And Flacco's ownership is a little bit high, so hopefully he's out there for you. Uh, but if he is, then, yeah, I think, I think Flacco is a safe little option. Uh, I will say that I like... Cousins more, and he is yeah likely more available. So go for him first. But yeah, I will I will stick with the f- the flackinator, the flackinator, Joe Flaccid, yeah. Joey Flaccid, Joey Flaccid. All right. So those are the two picks. I guess you can, if we're looking at other streaming options, it's pretty barren. It really uh, is. That's kind of why I had to reach for for Flacco there a little bit more than I'd like. Um, maybe. I guess- Winston again you can talk about if he's out there I mean they've been throwing the ball he hasn't thrown an interception since week four so he's looked better like you said Teddy is out there Mm -hmm. could be a low level streaming option but I don't like him that much this week no he hasn't done much this year but um if he plays he's not bad uh if Ben doesn't play then Landry Jones is an okay option against Cleveland um a sort of like Hail Mary, hope for the best option, um, Matt Castle. Um, yeah, it could be, you know. <laughs> I mean, he had 23 points against um, the Eagles this week, yep. or last week, and Tampa and Bay is... Des, Des Bryant back. So. Yes, Des Bryant back. Uh, Tampa Bay is not a good defense. They're giving up the 27th most fantasy points yep. to the quarterback, so it's a good matchup, 
he's on the road, which is a little worrisome for streaming. But he is like, a, if none of these guys are available, he's only 5% owned. So if somehow no one else <laughs> we named is available, Matt Castle is there. And, there he is. And even in the game, yeah. even in his first game against the Giants, when he threw three picks, he still had eight fantasy points, which isn't good. Don't get me it's wrong. It's better than zero. <laughs> but it's better than zero. So, like, he'll, he's going to get you some, even in a game where he implodes on himself and throws three picks, he's still getting you close to double-digit points. So I think, I think he's an okay bet to get you in the teens, and who knows, maybe he comes out and throws six touchdowns, and I look like a genius for throwing this name out. Yeah. Which is what exactly is going to happen now <laughs> yeah. because we mentioned him. Yeah. But theoretically, this is if you are completely desperate. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't really be in a situation where you have to play Matt Castle. No. Maybe, maybe if you're in a 16-team league or <laughs> yeah, you, you just – your quarterback you, – you have Roethlisberger as your quarterback and you're completely screwed. Uh, Matt Castle is an option. Right. All right. Well, it's uh... – Let's wrap up this uh, epi weppy. Um, wrap her up. Wrap her up. We're going to leave out wrap, trading places wrap, due wrap to time. Up. Although I will quickly say um, this is the week you should be trying to get Demarius Thomas a little bit. Um, fill out the owner. Throw out some offers because he could beast from here. But yes, that is he all. He has an attractive rest of the season schedule. He does. Yeah. So you should try for DT. He's had a very high floor. He had a bad game against Indy as well. So mm-hmm. now's yeah, the time I mean, to get him. Yeah, I mean, and that was against uh, Vontae, which you kind of expect. Yeah, so, Vontae Island. So he could beast from here. So, yeah, throwing out offers for DT, this is a good time before he potentially goes nuclear and then is ungettable. Um, yep. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Uh, you can find us on Twitter box at BenchFF. Uh, there this it is. Podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher. We tweet out the link Ooh, whenever it goes we're live. Everywhere now. We are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere in those two places. Um, yeah. So give us a follow. Give us a listen. Tweet us questions, and we will answer them. And so. retweet every single one of our tweets. Yeah, retweet every tweet we Just ever because. put out. Yeah, because they're all yeah, golden. Yeah. All right. All right. That sounds like a a good way to end the show, and we shall be back next week. We will. See if Kirk Cousins put up 84 fantasy points. Well, Matt Castle's going to have more, so we'll see. (laughs) 84.1. Okay, I can foresee that happening. Yeah. And now the episode name is going to have something to do with Castle. I don't know what it's going to be. Matt Castle, 84.1 fantasy points. (laughs) (laughs) Prediction. It's a oh, hot God. stake of the year. Maybe, maybe that'll be the title. Matt Castle, 84.1 fantasy points. And just, well, what was Drew Brees' line the other week when he threw, oh, what, seven touchdown passes? I yeah. think he, he hit 50. Did he uh, hit 50 fantasy points? Let me see. Barely. Let me, let me pull this up. <laughs> it depends. He did in some leagues, but all the scoring. He had uh, 44 fantasy points in standard okay. scoring because he threw two picks. So. Ooh. So but. for Castle to hit 84 points, you'd have to throw <laughs> somewhere around 12 touchdowns. Yeah, you're looking at double-digit uh, touchdowns, close to 1,000 yards. Uh, I mean, you assume he's throwing, <laughs> like, five picks in there if he's throwing it. Like, he's throwing it, like, 80 times, probably, to get this yeah. line. Um, so I don't understand the game flow where that occurs. Uh, there, it doesn't exist. But we're going yeah, yeah, <laughs> to call it. The game it. goes into <laughs> overtime, so he at least has an extra quarter As to true. accumulate points. Yeah, this yeah, maybe it's just that that Cousins is playing so well. Wait, are they playing? No, they're playing Tampa Bay. Uh, playing Winston Tampa is Bay. playing so well that uh, they're they're just like scoring on the first throw of each drive. So then, like the the Cowboys have the ball a lot, 
and they're just airing it. Yep. This is just going to be a score fest. They're both going to have... It's turned into Madden, Yeah, it's turned, it's turned into Madden, yeah. The final score of this game is going to be like 76 to 74 bucks win, basically, is how it's going to go. There it is. Heartbreaking <laughs> for the Cowboy fans. Yeah. yeah, They've been craving a victory, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah. So... Yeah. Okay, let's end it on that absurdity. Yeah. And we will see you next week if you want to roll out our catchphrase that I guess oh. is still a catchphrase. Yeah. It's just, just stuck with us this it's, long. It's like stuck. Herpes. We can't get rid of it. Can't get rid of it. It just comes up every every couple times a week. Yeah. Quick little flare up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Keep on cruising, kiddly dopeos. Yeah.